Welcome to uh, my podcast. My name is Kimita Skripsma, and I am the founder and CEO of SEMA Global Consulting. The podcast title is Growing Forward Together, and I thank you for joining me today. Today's topic is on acceptance versus tolerance and in the arena of uh, disabilities. So we are, uh, SEMA Global Consulting is an organization that is passionate about promoting inclusion through group workshops, leadership development, and transformational coaching for individuals who want to grow forward in healthy ways. For more information on what we do at SGC, please visit our website at semaglobalconsulting.com and drop me a note at the contact page. And uh, hey, while you're there, you'll have the opportunity to, to subscribe to my blog as well. You can also find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. I look forward to connecting with you sometime soon. So over the past few months, I've kind of uh, tried my hand at um, interviews, and I'm excited for today's interview because of the woman that will be joining us and who has also become a dear friend. Tabitha Pope is the Director of Disability from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. She was born and raised in central Oklahoma, and Tabitha has earned a Bachelor of Science degree in psychology and an MS degree in religious education from Oklahoma City University. I chose to invite Tabitha today because of our passion for acceptance and um, fighting this fight against tolerance as it is in our society. And because of her focus and disability, I thought it would be great to have um, her voice at the table as somebody different than the culture work that I typically will do. When I do culture work, I really encourage and empower people and equip them to uh, look for things that unite us rather than divide us. The race conversation is really crucial, but the culture conversation helps us become more engaged and gives us the opportunity to grow forward together. And so that also requires acceptance. So I've invited Tabitha here today, um, especially since her entire career is within the field of disability um, and it's coupled with her personal story where she brings a unique perspective and enriches the DNI conversation, challenging the status quo to dismiss the crux of inclusion due to shame and stigma. And in a lot of these conversations around inclusion, it's really important for us to understand a person's story in order for us to understand the work of inclusion. And so since Tabitha is a highly trained speaker and longtime member of Toastmasters International, I just thought it would be great for her to be on the program and for her to share her story about inclusion, the impact of the disability, but then also the beautiful change that she experiences when she works with other folks. So without further ado, I invite you to meet Tabitha Pope and to hear about her story. Thank you, everyone, especially you, Kanita. I'm excited to be here. I'll begin with my story. I had it all. Youth, health, love. If you were to ask my friends to describe me 20 years ago, they'd say, Tabitha, she's fun, vivacious, has a radiant smile. Oh yeah, even with six inch heels, that girl is still short. Yes, I had it all until I heard the words acoustic neuroma. The doctor explained, Tabitha, you have a large brain tumor growing on the left ear nerve. 
if you do nothing, you'll die. But having surgery will result in facial paralysis. You will not blink, hear, nor smile from that side ever again. The surgery was 12 hours. I remember coming in and out of consciousness. I remember the pain and the trauma. But most of all, I remember the moment someone handed me a mirror to see my reflection for the first time. And as I took that mirror and looked at my face, it was as if that mirror cracked into a hundred pieces. My heart broke into a thousand. At that moment, I felt my life, my purpose, my radiant light was extinguished. I fell into a deep depression. Darkness, anxieties, feelings of inadequacy consumed my life. I quit being that radiant light that brought joy into the lives of others. Now, I hid, becoming a recluse for eight years, afraid of my reflection, afraid to let others see the monster I believed I'd become. There was only one thing that got me through those days. I fell in love with religious television and those precious preachers. I sure did. I became a channel surfing Monday through Sunday, religious television, couch potato paper, catch potato fool. You would find me in my apartment, encircled by Bibles, holy water from the Dead Sea, prayer scroll, prayer claws from Jerusalem, and right here, my handy-dandy Rolodex with all the evangelist prayer line numbers, hot and ready to go. While sulking on the couch one day, one of those precious preachers came straight through the television and said, look, you can be pitiful or you can be powerful, but you can't be both. I said, bull dillies, I'm the perfecter of the pitifully powerful. I have spent eight years perfecting my powerfully pitiful performance. I remember the grandest performance. Oh, I cried, I threw tizzies. And finally, after three and a half, three and a half days, I lifted my head to see my reflection in the mirror to assure myself of the worthiness of this pity party. And when I looked in the mirror, I learned I could only cry from one side of my face. That's right, one side, Niagara Falls over here, Sahara Desert here. Let me tell you folks, my pity parties are deserving of two waterfalls. I spent eight years believing I lost my one true gift, beauty. No one, no one would ever love me. I decided to talk to God and I prayed. God, I pray your light would shine in me brightly, touch all who come near me so that they would see your glory and then they'd see my light. And funny things begin to happen after that. I'd be having conversations with people and they'd stop me and they'd say, you're so pretty. This kept occurring and reoccurring. Something strange was going on. Another strange thing, biking my favorite therapy. There, I met a man, Bradley Dean. Within three days, we knew we were in love and we'd spend the rest of our lives together. We make quite a pair. He's six foot four and I not. Valentine's Day rolled around. I, brought, I bought Brad the perfect card, signed and sealed with a kiss. Ladies, you know how much we love to admire our beautiful lipstick prints. As I held my card to see my beautiful print, there on my card was only 
half a lipstick print. That's right. I could only pucker from one side of my face. Brad and I thought this print was hysterical. But even though I knew how much he loved me, I never forgot my face. And when I'd laugh, I'd cover my smile in shame. Brad walked over to me. He took my hands. He moved them, held them at my side, looked directly at me and said, Tabitha, I don't know who you keep comparing yourself to. I only know this Tabitha with this face and with the smile. And she is radiant. She's beautiful. Yes, I had it all until an acoustic neuroma brought me to my knees. But I learned this. People did not see the monster I saw and tragedy did not extinguish my light. Inside each and every one of us is a radiant light that was born to shine. People do not see the inadequacies you see in yourself and tragedy does not have to define nor destroy you. After Brad said this beautiful words. I've been able to let my light radiate in this world again. And I hope every day you choose to do the same. Don't let the darkness around you suppress your light because you are gorgeous, you are intelligent, you are handsome and gifted. You are radiant. Thank you, Kanita. Wow. Thank you, Tabitha. I really appreciate you sharing so intimately and comically, right? You've got such yeah. a great sense of humor. I just love it. And in all our conversations, we've had so much laughter yeah. and uh, it's been great. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I have a couple of takeaways as you shared your story. You talked about not feeling loved. You talked about not feeling included. And here we are talking about true acceptance and how you've had to learn that true acceptance in your own story from your physical disability. Mm -hmm. And what was really fascinating for me as well is until you believed you were deeply accepted, you weren't able to offer that acceptance to other people, whether it was your husband or whether it was, um, you know, your students that you work with. And so can you share a little bit more about what you do with that acceptance? Um, you know, you work with students at the college and the university um, that have disabilities and a variety of them as well, right? We've talked about that earlier. Can you talk a little bit about how do you then pour out to your students and their families, because you're also tangibly involved with the parents and caregivers, right? Mm -hmm. um, tell us a little bit about how that plays out in your story from how you have learned acceptance to now share that with your students. Well, so when, when you ask that question, as a disability director, I am fully aware that the rest of the world and our nation in particular is not. One in five people have a disability in America. One billion around the world identifies having disabilities. We are the third largest underrepresented minority group. And What's really interesting is that disability intersects every race, nationality, at any age, mm -hmm. any sex, any orientation. Uh, and what we're really saying is it's the human condition. Mm. Every one of us 
disability is no respecter of persons. We will all fit the definition. Mm -hmm. And so why I'm so passionate and what I bring to work every day is this understanding of acceptance of self, regardless of whether you're at your prime and you're just taking on the world or whether something has happened mentally or physically that's kind of got you slowed down for a bit. Mm-hmm. And because there's so much stigma attached and discrimination attached to people with disabilities, we we don't give them a voice. We don't allow them to speak and they they draw up into themselves and, and it's hidden and it's shameful. And what what I'm really saying is people are walking around denying a part of themselves mm-hmm. and it's dying. And so, and I experienced that. And some people have the luxury of having invisible disabilities and then some do not. And it's out for everyone to see and talk about and make fun of. Um, there's a woman who called disability inspiration porn, right? We, oh. we want to, um, it's a charity, it's a pitiful thing. We want to pray for you, pray that you get well, pray that you have some kind of blessing to get over this because your life is so hard. So going back to your question, that's the students that walk in my door and that's the people that walk around this earth. They, they're hurting and no one talks about it. So when they come into my office, it's a safe place. Mm. It's a welcoming place and we don't have to hide anything and we can talk about it. And then my, my passion is to empower people and to let them know that they're not a piece of trash because I, I think we feel that way. We feel like we're not worthy. They're, we're not enough. Society says we're not enough. Right. And so I empower them to find their voice and to accept the, the human, just being a human being. Yeah. And it, it changes lives, you know, people's lives get changed and, and they cry and they find, find acceptance. Sure. In this office. So talking about, you know, changed lives, right? I think, um, when I think of my own personal story and some of the challenges that I've had, and if I see them in somebody else, I perhaps get triggered to think of my, whether it's a weakness or a challenge or something I don't like in my own story, if I see it in them, right? And so what I've had to do is realize that, okay, I see my quality in them and I don't like that, but it's still not, um, my, my story has been healed and it's, and I've gone past that, that point, maybe where they're at. So when you, as somebody who carries around a very obvious disability, and the only reason I know it is because you've told me the story about your face and, and I can see it, right? If you wouldn't, if you hadn't told me that, I wouldn't have seen it, if that makes sense. So wondering, what do you do? How do you handle it? And this is probably a little bit more personal question, but how do you handle it when um, you see a disability in somebody else that reminds you of where you've come from? How do you handle that sort of trigger as a person who works in the disability field? How are you constantly overcoming, I guess is part of the question. 
Yeah, because I literally isolated myself and I literally, because again, I was in my 20s. So mm-hmm. this is when we form our identity. Sure. And it it was, uh, it's a long healing process. Very, very long. It wasn't up until last summer that I had true 100% complete healing where I just laid it at the altar and I was done. I, I was never going to wish I was, who I thought I would have been, gotcha. right? Mm-hmm. This beautiful smile. Um, I I made that into something that it probably would not be, you know. And I just feel like that it takes time. Um, and I think that it. We all have these little triggers. We can think that we sure. get over something. But just even doing webinars, I never watched myself on video. I that would have been a sin, right? <laughs> I could not have possibly done that because that would make me deal with the story, mm. deal with the reality of that. And it, I, I was triggered. I was triggered because I, we all, and that's something that I've learned working in higher ed and in K through 12, no matter where I go, everyone wants to be accepted. Sure. Sure. I think that's a, mm-hmm. yeah. that's an innate and human need. Mm-hmm. It is. And we could say they're beautiful, and they, but it's just how they see themselves. Sure. And so it's it takes time, and it takes a lot of maturity and development, and a lot of love, mm-hmm. and a lot of people that were very inclusive, and so that that healing could happen. Yeah, that's great. So, thank you. In fact, <laughs> I guess we can both say thank you to the pandemic because we met on one of those panel discussions. So yeah. we were on a webinar. And find um, the positive, and yeah, I found a lot of positives in COVID nineteen. Yep, yep. And I've learned so much from you already in this space. So thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, speaking of learning, though, right? People are listening to this podcast, and um, they're probably wondering, like, what are some things that they should do differently? So maybe from a disability standpoint, right? What are some things that you would encourage people to think about? Or how would you encourage others to respond to those who do have disabilities? I saw you on a computer screen. That's how we met. And we hit it off. And then we had a Zoom call. And we hit it off even more. And we've been having a great time getting to know each other and build this friendship. So how, how would you encourage others to respond to those who have disabilities? Going back to the reality of of how disability is perceived in America and around the world, it's not good. And people are don't know what to do and they're afraid to do the wrong thing. And some people are in a place where they would love to have you be their friend and walk up to them and you know talk, let them tell you their story. And some are are still very raw, right? So a person that just had a stroke is going to be very raw and not want to share their story because they're trying to understand what the heck happened to them and why their body's not working. So it's, I say all of that, it, it goes back, just like you teach with culture, it's, it's be kind, be respectful, just be be there for someone. I, I have this saying that, love is caring caring is time time is money but then let's go back the other way um time is caring and caring is love right and so it's it's spending time with people 
and building that trust in that relationship, uh, you can you can then go from there. But if you see, I, I know once I saw a man and he must have had like something like multiple sclerosis or something. It was a motor impairment. It's very severe and I was worried he was going to fall over. He was going to Walmart. And I'm a disability director, right? So I <laughs> I knew how to state things, I felt. but And I was fearful for this man. And he, I kept saying, I'd like to help you. I'd like to help you. And he did not want my help. And that's... I didn't have that relationship and it didn't work out well. So sometimes it's better just to be kind and you just have to feel your way. Mm-hmm. But what I really want to say with this question is in America, there is a, a medical model. We want to fix disability. We want to pray it away. We want to um, make sure that you aren't not valuable in society we want you to get valuable again that's not okay um i i know a lot of civil rights activists we talk about this platform uh bias check your bias sure Mm -hmm. what you understand and, and why you feel the way you feel and go from there does that is that kind of it seems very vague in what i'm saying but it's it's relationship, it's trust. If you're authentic, I don't think that you can go wrong. Sure, sure. So it sounds like you're encouraging people to at least make an effort to show kindness, but then also be mindful that perhaps the person wants to do it themselves or um, they're, it's just a different kind of scenario. But at the end of the day, it's about us being kind and gracious and hopeful and encouraging and, inclusive, and supportive. Right. Mm-hmm. And inclusive. So, yeah, because I think a lot of individuals with disabilities, they're not being promoted in the workplace. They're not being included in the in-groups, right? So um, include people, include all people. Don't assume anything. If, if you're having a party, you know, and someone has food allergies, that's technically protected by the American Disabilities Act. You wouldn't think so, but it, it is. And sure. so inclusion would be to just hey if you have a diet a special diet let us know yeah or if you have any needs let us know so maybe opening the door is what you're saying open the door to the conversation to let people feel safe like you said earlier and give them hope yeah and abilities like Mm -hmm. you know don't assume that everyone can get up the stairs don't assume that they're all going to do well under bright fluorescent lights, right? Sure. Don't assume that nobody in the crowd has epilepsy and that bright, shiny lights aren't going to trigger someone. Sure, yeah, sure. Mindful. Yeah, so to be mindful means we have to do our homework, right? <laughs> People yeah. have to do their homework. But again, it's the human condition. So who do you know? Sure. Who do you know? What, what, what neighbors do you have? What family members do you have? Maybe, like I said, it could be cancer. It could be um, asthma. It could be paralysis. It could be uh, Crohn's disease. (laughs) It just goes on and on. It's just a medical diagnosis that gets in the way of learning or in the workplace or just someone's need. Mm -hmm. You just have to listen. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, you and I have talked a lot about culture too offline and um, with the work that we do. And I'm often encouraging people and teaching people how to come alongside. And I'm hearing that resonate in your story and your explanation of 
how to come alongside someone with disabilities. And so when there's, you know, when we talk about inclusion and there's, inclusion pretty much is about collaboration and cooperation, right? And so as we can, as we just kind of wrap up here, do you have some tips or tools that you would recommend in helping our communities grow in that area as it relates to disabilities? Any resources? And um, I will say we can also post those to the blog. Yes. And so links. the federal, uh, the law protects, I'm going to go with the law because that's really relevant to all of us here in America, especially, um, so if you have children, or family members that are going to college. There are protections for the law to make sure that individuals have accommodations. If you have dyslexia, the school can provide audiobooks. Uh, be aware of that, right? I'm, I'm saying that people have rights and that it's the right to get an education without barriers being presented for them to have to jump over and then do their academics. I'm also saying that people in the workplace. So if you had cancer um, or if you're an addict, if you know someone who's addicted to something, they get federal protection if they're working a program. And who would have thought, right? So if they're working a program and their, their AA meeting, let's say, is every Wednesday at 12, well, they have federal protections. And so they could go to their HR and they could say, look, this is really important for my health and so that I'm a productive worker. So I would like to talk to you about this being an accommodation for me and HR will help you. So okay. K through 12 and higher education have disability directors and special education teachers. Accommodations can be provided there and accommodations are provided in HR. Great. Okay, thank you. Can you tell our listeners again where exactly you do work, which college, university? Yes. So if they have any students out there or I'm anyone in Oklahoma is listening. Yeah, I'm a proud Southern Nazarene University girl here. <laughs> so it's a religious school and it's higher education and it's wonderful. It's a smaller school. We have a chief diversity officer here now. So we're working on creating a very inclusive, intentionally inclusive and welcoming environment. And I'd like for you all to come down, come <laughs> down and see me. That's awesome. Well, Tabitha, thank you so much for your time today. Are there any closing remarks that you might want to have for our listeners before we tie up? Oh, let's see. I like this one. It's by Dr. King. Almost always the creative, dedicated minority made the world better. And when I heard that, I know what he's saying, but then when it, it goes back to our place of acceptance, mm -hmm and accepting others and he's basically talking about us we all feel like minorities i think in some in some ways and so we are the ones who can create and be innovative and create the world we dream of and that's mm -hmm. what i hope yeah that's great and i love to lean into the quote that says be the change that you want to see Absolutely. in this world right Absolutely. so with that i say farewell thank you so much for being with us here today tabitha um, I really appreciate our time together and I look forward to more conversations with you offline and laughing and um, celebrating both of our diversity experiences and our uh, time with around inclusion work, but then also as friends. Yes, we are blessed.
So thank you so much for listening. Um, be sure and check out the website at semaglobalconsulting.com. And you can again um, be able to catch uh, Tabitha's interview on the podcast at Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify. And um, the blog will be at the website and you will be able to get the links that she has along with any contact information that she'll be posting there um, for you to be connecting with her. Um, if you need some more information about her field of disability and um, any questions that you might have for any students that are going off to college or um, whatever, and if anything that um, Tabitha said during her talk um, was in encouraging to you, I look forward to hearing from you. If you would like to be on our podcast, um, feel free to drop me an email through the website and let me know and we can have a great conversation about what that might look like and see how we might grow forward together. So until next time, be blessed.